Well, hello, everybody. It's Stefan Satani here with the Comedy Advice Podcast coming at you with a little intro teaser. A little intro teaser. You can't tell, but I have my shirt off. I'm rubbing my nips trying to tease you guys for this episode. It's so good. It's so good. All right. I know you guys are like, all right, enough for the foreplay. Let's get into it. And get into it we shall. But let me strip some of the layers here so you can get a taste for what's to come. Here's this first layer. I've got a guest, J. Chris Newberg, hilarious comedian. He's going to be performing at the House of Comedy. Mmm, layer stripped. You learn about him. He's a writer, musician, comedian. You learn about how he got into it and some helpful tips for how to be a great comedian, how to get booked on shows. He talks a little bit about that. Everything that you would want to know about comedy is not in this podcast, but we got a little bit. We got a little bit. Yeah, it'll be helpful. Then we get into some advice. We have some chuckles, some laughs. It's a great show. So, and if you do enjoy, Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. Give it a like. Give it a share. And if you've got some monies, some money, you can go over to Patreon and give me your money. And in return, I'll give you some ad-free episodes, early releases. I'll give you what you need. I don't know why, but I'm just oozing sexuality this episode, or this intro. The episode is very non-sexual. But I wanted to just get it all out, just unload right now in the intro. And now that I've unloaded, I'm going to relax, sit back, and let you enjoy the episode. A comedy advice podcast. An advice podcast for Devin. And friends. Make exaggerated statements, not meant to be taken literally. What was that, Stefan? A comedy advice podcast. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of a comedy advice podcast where we give self-help to the helpless. My name is Stefan Satani and I'm your host. Joining me today is a very special guest, J. Chris Newberg. Yeah, check that out. (laughs) Woo, how are you? Pretty good, Stefan. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well and very excited to have you on as a guest. I am very excited that you're also going to be coming to Phoenix, Arizona. Yes, Awesome. And I was just going to ask you, how has comedy been for as, as far as stand-up goes? How has that been going in quarantine? I mean, I think it's I think it's gone to every possible place it can and probably go to. Uh, I mean, the novelty of quarantine was 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 large initially, and everyone was like, "Yeah, Tiger King, and this isn't going to be bad, and I'm going to get fat." And yeah, and, and then I think time passed by, and they're like, "Fuck, I." really don't want to be fat and i'm tired of watching tv and it's just the kind of thing where it's like the whole vehicle went away yeah podcasting takes the place of some of it um i pod as well which is why i'm saying that i'm not talking down to podcasting um no we are shitty those podcasts (laughs) yes yeah we are you have to you have to convince people to I don't know. It's like a whole, like the, the, the web to me, which is the only solution temporarily out of this whole comedy thing seems like a gigantic outer space with billions and billions of black holes that you can go down any evening. And it could be like Sarah's black hole or the band Perry's black hole or whoever. And it was like, I saw someone, someone posted the other day. They were like, Pete Yorn is playing, his entire album music for the morning after. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. I would watch that. But like, then it's like 30 bucks. I'm like, do I want to pay 30 bucks to kind of watch what's novel? 
when there's so much else available out there free. So to answer your question in even a longer way, mm-hmm. um, I've, I've just done pop-up shows when I felt the need. And I tell people, if you want to donate, cool. If you don't, cool. But as far as actual comedy, I've done it twice since the quarantine. I did it once in San Diego and once in Kansas City. And it felt fantastic. I mean, like the art of actually getting to do stand-up again was, it's magical. It's the greatest feeling I've experienced ever, you know? And it's like, getting to do it was great. But, you know, we were in front of like 12 people. And uh, when I say we, I mean myself and my mic. And there was, it wasn't really that fun to play in front of no one, but it was fun to perform again. Right, right. And, you know, and it's like now if you're not like fucking Burt Kreischer or Larry the Cable Guy and you don't have enough fans to like tour theaters by drive-in, stand on a stage while everybody sits in their car, you know, it's like, where are you going to play? I think that people have looked at this entire quarantine totally incorrectly. I think that they've looked at it from, not that you asked this, but again, I'm just telling you. because <laughs> Oh, no, way. go ahead. I think that people have looked at this whole quarantine wrong for how selfish and negative they've made it all about themselves and not on any level even allowing themselves to experience. Because if you think about it, in truth, how old are you? 32. Great. I'm 50. So in 32 years and 50 years, I've never seen anything in my life like this, nor have you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's unique to say the least. For sure. Now, people aren't approaching it with a unique, how cool is this approach? Because, and, and if they did, it would make stories so much better and situations so much better. But people are like, this is fucked. I'm getting screwed. I want a haircut. Fuck you, government. And it's like, what? Yeah. But you talk to your friends who are by themselves. I've been lucky enough. My, I live with my girlfriend and, you know, we don't have crazy days on the same day, which is the best part about it. And you hear your friends flipping out. You're, you're totally right. And I am in the same, I'm in a similar situation where we, we haven't been too anxious about it. And I think we don't have much to be too anxious about except for just not seeing loved ones, but I'm, I'm not alone. So that's a plus. I have a job. So that's another plus Plus. and have a house. So I have a domicile to protect me and, and sleep and, and all that. So I'm not hungry. I have toilet paper. And everything's pretty good. And I, I was anxious for a little while when I was wondering if I was still going to have a job or not. But mm-hmm. now I feel okay. And I think that some people, they might have the right to be anxious, but that, that maybe have lost their jobs and they're at home. They're, they're just kind of fucked. But then I think other people that, like you said, want a haircut or, I mean, obviously you can tell by my hair that I have not mm-hmm. gotten a haircut in six months, but um, people that just want have an itch to get out of the house. There are ways yeah, you can I, do it safely. There and I don't know. There's a lot of anxiety built up around a lot of people. What was that M Night Shyamalan movie that came back recently? Where it was about the it was about a guy. I think he was like a multi personality dude who captured that woman and kept her in the bunker like as his girlfriend for a while and then she was like and then someone else was in the bunker and they escaped and the second they escaped aliens ate them and she saw it so she was like the only choice was the bunker with this crazy lunatic were being eaten by aliens was john goodman in it yes 
Oh, I think it was uh, Cloverfield Lane, where okay. it was this weird spinoff. Yeah, of, yeah, but the whole like John John uh, Goodman comes down and he's like, everyone's dead, and everyone was dead. Yeah. But he was like, oh, I'm going to capture you. So it's like you feel all this thing and all of these people, you have a similar logic as these people in Cloverfield Lane. We need to get the fuck out of here. We just need to go. We need to go. We just need to go. Where? That's why I feel like you and I, we would survive mm-hmm. in a horror movie if something was really bad that was going to happen. Because there are those yeah. people that have the urge that are like, we just got to get out of here. We got to. No, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Absolutely. And like, and it also like your chances in a horror movie depreciate significantly uh, if you're young and attractive. So it's like, I mean, like the young hot girl, she's dead. Black dude, dead. You'd be dead. I'd be dead. But I'd be dead like fifth because I would be dead because he's run out of people to kill. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm like practically a virgin, so maybe yeah. I would last a little longer. It's possible. You never know. I mean, it's just like it's the killer's choice. <laughs> that's very true. Well, this is all fascinating. I also wanted to talk a little bit about you. I, I'm curious about how you got into comedy. I know that you integrate music and you're a musician, and I know that music kind of came first, but I'd like to hear, because I will totally botch the story, of how you got into comedy and and uh, how you've kind of developed your own really cool style. Um, Dramatic pause. Oh. Oh, yeah, dramatic class. Um, I got into comedy because I didn't want to be the outcome of the song Summer of 69 by Brian Adams. Uh, when I started performing with the group I was with, I said, if I turned 30 and were in northern Michigan playing cover songs, I'm out. I started the band when I was 18. I was 30. We were in Traverse City, Michigan. We were performing at some bar. And I looked down on the set list and I saw American Girl. I was like, fuck, I'm 30. I'm not doing this. So I decided to quit all entertainment and I decided that I was like, I'm going to California. If you guys want to come with me, cool. And they were like, we're not coming with you. So I was like, cool. So they stayed and they did another album without me. And uh, I moved on immediately. And, you know, I wouldn't use words like history. Were were you the lead singer and guitar player or? I would know. I was the lead songwriter, leader of the band, uh, backing vocalist, songwriter. Wow, so you were a pretty vital organ for that band. Yeah, did, I mean, did they I break re- up I, after, or no? They did one album, one album after me to prove that they didn't need me. <laughs> oh no! That's like okay, cool, but it was funny because, and it's like, and I don't, I couldn't look more lovingly back on that period of time or those wonderful individuals that I shared the band with. However, I do think about one year after I'd quit the band, uh, I was sitting on. Uh, the top of the lawn at Meadowbrook having just uh, performed a sold out show opening up for amazing Jonathan. And they were still in Traverse city at that same bar. So I was like, I think I made the right choice for myself. Oh my God. Yeah, seriously. But they've all moved on to do different, amazing, wonderful things. Just in that moment, I was like, our band's going nowhere and I want to keep performing. And so then I quit and then I started to do improv. I enjoyed improv so much. And then I decided, well, I'm going to do stand up. I, I started improv and my teacher at, at Second City told me that I should try stand up. He goes, because you're too focused on uh, blowing or stealing a scene, meaning like I was too focused on the laugh, getting the laugh instead of letting the scene develop. I was like, well, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. so they got like, so during the show, the class show, I had the four biggest laughs easily, but I ruined four scenes. And that's when he told me. Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, okay. 
So I uh, decided to take stand-up classes and I took stand-up classes and then I decided to incorporate music and then I decided to stop music and then I decided to do both. So it's like I've done everything with it. Wow. And that's, it's, so it was just, I like entertaining. That's the most important thing. That's really cool. And I, I was also going to ask too, I didn't realize that you had opened for the amazing Jonathan and just a year after you had moved to LA and started doing comedy. No, I was still in Michigan then. I was like, uh, from Michigan, I got Comedy Central present, or I got Comedy Central's uh, The World Stands Up, which was a comedy special in England. Mm-hmm. I got Premium Blend uh, from New York, from Michigan, and I got Kimmel from Michigan also. So I'd done all these things Damn. in like a, a year. And I mean, I wasn't ready for Kimmel, but the opportunity presented itself. And I had a good set on Comedy Central. And I just decided, I was like, I wanted to evolve and I think that that's the reason I was never bigger. Um, mm-hmm. And not that I'm saying I'm upset by it, but like I was told early on by Comedy Central, you need to decide, are you a guitar comedian or are you a comedian? And you need to be one of the two. Cause I was like starting mm-hmm. to do more and I'm like, I want to evolve. Right. And I was like, no, I'm, just, I'm not going to write a three minute comedy song. Sorry. I'm not weird Al. I'm going to keep doing my 30 to minute, 30 seconds to minute songs. And, you know, I've had a very successful career writing for a lot of people and I've worked a bunch and I get my 15, 20 dates a week or 20 dates a year. And I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. And do I wish it were bigger? Yeah. But it's always kind of fun being the like funny. Uh, so you can't say anything without sounding like a cunt, but it's always fun being the funniest <laughs> person that no one knows about. Like, I love that. I love that I have poker face because like, that's just how I was born. Um, I love that I listen more than I talk, mm-hmm. which you would never know by listening to this podcast because you've said two words. <laughs> but I I listen a lot and, I, and I'm very deadpan when I listen because I'm just thinking it through and I just, that's how I want to evolve comedy and do whatever. But no complaints. It's just, I would think it would have been a lot bigger if I would have just done one or the other earlier. That is really interesting too, because I... I had not heard of you before I saw that you were coming to House of Comedy. And I was like, sure. who is this guy? I started doing research and I was like, this guy's really fucking funny. Thank uh, you. And I think you do a great blend too with your style of, um, I think I was listening to your album that came out in 2018. Live, live and Let Die. Yes, yes. And then I saw some stuff on YouTube from The Laugh Factory. And I think mm-hmm. you do a nice blend with jokes guitar and, and then it's also like you said not full songs per se i mean one is what yeah. a fire alarm yeah it's literally the note yeah 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 um and and i was gonna ask how long did it come to develop the blend of hey this is how much i want to do guitar this is how much i just want to do jokes and did you have an imbalance ever and say okay i need to do less or i need to do more besides what comedy central was saying and in terms of song or just don't do guitar well normally what what i okay so the reason i switched was i did three complete four complete studio albums with music yeah um and it was like they did nothing they did like maybe a couple thousand units each nothing crazy um and then i did live and let die no guitar except at the very end it's mostly me talking Mm -hmm. and it was like number one on billboard for 78 weeks or something ridiculous yeah and i'm like cool people like it it's obviously connected um and now then i then it's like so now my fifth one or sixth one coming out that's coming out in september it's like 
that's almost no guitar. It's all clean. There's no swear words on it. And it's just like, that's fucking hard to do, man. It was like, cause you just like, cause I swear like a sailor all the time. Right. But when you're on stage, it's like, you have to find the beats differently to like, there's different beats into like, Oh man, dude, I'm going to the movies or I'm so fucking going to the movies. It's like, there's a difference between how you have to deliver it stuff clean versus dirty. Mm-hmm. And it worked out. It, um, it, it worked out. It took me a couple of times to record it, but I got it and coming out again. And, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it did a hundred weeks at number one, because it's clean. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's an example of me playing the game. Yep. Yep. Do you, <laughs> do you feel like there's a certain, well, obviously, cause you just described it, but there, there's a certain, I guess, playing the game. You feel like you're changing yourself a bit in a way that you don't want. Well, I think that, I think that the the Osborne family has homogenized the F word to the point where it's more charming than everything else. Like when they had their successful show on MTV, he was saying fucking 200 times a show. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it wasn't shocking. Oh, you're almost like, oh, that's Ozzy. That's how Ozzy talks. Right. And there are comics, depending on how abrasive they are, they can get away with talking like that. You can, you can get a really likable black comic who can say the N word like 85 times in a 10 minute set and it'll kill. You can also find someone, you can also find a black comic who's abrasive, who doesn't come across likable, who say it three times and people be like, I don't know, man, it seemed like a lot. Cause it's all about your interpretation, your delivery, your likability, everything. It's like, you can listen like you can get any message across depending on how successful you are with your likability. Right. You know, and it's like, and there's right. examples of that continuously every fucking day. Right. And, and on the notes of likability and, and the styles of cursing, not cursing guitar, no guitar. I was also looking back at season six of America's got talent where you went up mm-hmm. and you did your jokes and Piers Morgan was not a fan. How we loved it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what was her name? Osborne. Sharon Osborne was a fan, but Piers was was not. And how, what what did you expect going into it? Did you think that you were going to go? Because you made it to the quarterfinals, right? Yeah, I made it past that because they brought me back for wild cards. That's right. Where you got to roast Piers Morgan, which was... Yeah, well, that was a funny story. I mean, it's... it's the experience I had on AGT uh, was not my favorite. Um, it wasn't a bad experience. It was just... I played it all wrong. It was like a really, yeah, because they, I didn't know that I was coming on as the villain. I like, like before the show, like I was like, I'm, I really researched so much stuff, like whatever. I'm like, I, I'm such a nerd about comedy and I was going to be on that show. So I started researching Pierce and I started researching Howie and Sharon and why they, why they were successful. And I was really excited to meet all of them. Yeah. First, you're not allowed to talk to them. You can't come near them. They have security near them. Howie Howie was much more friendly, but like they were, you can't, there's security. You can't, you can't go near them. You can walk by them, whatever. Um, So by the time I figured out, like when I was first, like my, my first time on the show, I was super very excited. And I was like, oh, this is great. And they were like, Pierce doesn't like you. And I'm like, well, tell that guy you can suck it. It was like full on adrenaline. I just come off stage in front of 2000 people. Nick Cannon sticks a fucking microphone in my face and goes, this guy doesn't like you. What do you think? tell you what i don't think he can go fuck himself but then i'm like oh shit i'm on camera and i already told this guy he can suck it cool so now i'm the villain but i don't know this yet because i've never been the villain on a reality show right well i do my other two or three times and it works 
but it doesn't work at all because the way they mixed me was very strange. Um, in no way am I making excuses for anything like earlier in the no, podcast no, no. when I was like, I know, but just, I just want to refresh. Like when I was like, Oh, I'd be much bigger. I'm not bitter. I'm just saying the choices I made were the choices I made. Um, but the, and then the piercing. So like, by the time I figured it out, I was like, fuck it. You know what? I mean, bring me back. I'll just tear into this guy for five minutes. Just bring him back. <laughs> and they were like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'll just roast the shit out of this guy. And they're like, seriously. I'm like, I hey, I'm obviously not going to win. Let's do it. So I'm like, they're like, what do you need? And I said, I want a tux, an American flag. And that's it. And I was like, <laughs> cool. So I kind of looked at it like, I was like, I'm going to approach this like my go fuck yourself. And I went on and it was like, it was on the cover of the mirror in Britain the next day. And it was just like, it could not have gone over better. And I still lost to people who jump rope without their shirts on. Oh, so God. there you go. There's TV. Oh God. Oh man. Well, yeah. I thought it was hilarious. I, I, I loved how it turned out and, and I loved the roast. And it's cool too, because I also saw that you wrote, you also indirectly roasted Simon Cowell with this song that Dane Cook performed on uh, mm -hmm. American yeah, Idol. Yeah, I, I wrote that song. That was awesome. Yeah, that was really cool. And you toured with Dane Cook as well. How, how did you end up um, connecting with Dane Cook and touring with him? Uh, I became friends with his manager and his manager introduced me. And then he and I worked together for a while. We were super close and then we are not at all close anymore. Oh. And I usually don't speak about him because I end up talking for 15 minutes about it. what a knucklehead I think he is. Oh, but, gotcha. um, but he's fantastic. I, I will say what I say, which I prepare all the time. He's a phenomenal comedian. I've never seen anyone with the charisma like him. He's insanely successful. And he's an asshole. He's like such a prick of a human. This is my opinion. And I stand by it. Fair. <laughs> That's totally fair. <laughs> he, yeah. he was, say my, I don't have really much of an opinion about him, except mm -hmm. for when I was in high school, that mm -hmm. was, I think the first CD, I don't remember who had it, but there was one CD that was in Cottonwood, Arizona of Dane Cook, and it got passed around to everybody. So that was my introductory, that was like my gateway comic for comedy. And so, yeah, he's, he's incredible. Like he, like he's so, he was so great at what he was doing, but like, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I would have much rather have known him only as a fan. Fair. That's there totally fair. Yeah. Um, and then I, you also toured with Russell Peters and I know that you wrote for both of them. Um, and I know that you're, we were talking about it earlier. You're a writer. How did you get into the writing and and did it come after you were pretty steady into comedy or because I know that you write songs, stand up. Um, um, how did it I all know, get I mean, like, I mean, everything gets, well, it's like, okay, first off, I've, I did tour with Russell. I've toured with Russell a bunch of times. He's amazing. I couldn't say anything. I couldn't say anything nicer about him. He couldn't be more generous. He couldn't be more funny. He's so fucking funny. I love Russell. Um, Russell had a pilot for uh, Netflix called the Indian, the Indian detective, which I believe is a one season on Netflix. And his brother sent me the pilot and said, can you put jokes in this? So I punched up the pilot to Indian detective. Now the show got picked up after that. I don't know if they used anything at all of mine in that. But I think they did because it's like, I know Russell and I know how he talks and I know how he would respond. 
because I've been in vans and buses and planes with them a billion times and I've seen them respond. So uh, Indian Detective got picked up, went to uh, Netflix. They did a season. Um, I wrote the song that Dane performed for Taylor Swift on The Tonight Show. That was bizarre because um, I was there too. And she was just so nice. Um, I just got into people ask. And I said, okay, that's to answer your question. People said, how did you get into writing? People were like, will you help me write this? That's awesome. That's Yeah, really I mean, cool. it, it is what it is, man. It's just like, I literally started my craft of joke writing probably 20 years ago. I try to write one joke every hour during the day that I'm awake on Facebook. And I know I've booked work off Facebook because showrunners have said like, this is a great joke writer. Let's bring this kid in. And it's completely from my very first job that I got was the showrunner randomly was following me on Facebook and he brought me in to host produce. And so that was my first TV gig and that was 405 episodes of a game show network show. I, by the way, I, I haven't seen all of those episodes, but I love Idiot Test. Oh yeah, Idiot Test is it, the show. It, I, I, I think it was New Year's Eve. I was waiting for my wife and her friends to get ready. So I was sitting down with some friends and we we're like, let's watch something on Netflix. And I found it and I was like, I don't know who Ben Glebe is. I don't know what this is, but it seems fun. And we just blazed mm-hmm. through 20 episodes. It was so it's, it's such a fun show. It's so it is. It really is. Idiot Test was great. It was just literally, it was Ben's first show. Um, uh, he was hot after Chelsea lately. He had a little heat, a little, like a little bit of heat on him. Mm-hmm. And he, Ben is, Ben Glebe is, he's a perfectionist. He works so fucking hard. He is, he's, a, he's an incredibly talented stand-up. He, he's such a good person. But man, this fucking guy works late. And so like, mm we would my call time would be 10 a.m he would get in at 12 then we would shoot five shows and then of course i would have to sit there until two o'clock in the morning until he approved everything for the next day and it was just like dang yeah but it was cool i was working i was working on a hollywood set it was like <laughs> the best and i was doing whatever night i had food every day and yeah um, <laughs> ben's great i couldn't say enough nice stuff about ben ben is phenomenal and uh I'm, I would not be surprised if Ben didn't have his, uh, his own show and not again soon. That's amazing. Nice. That's really cool. And then with, with all of this stuff that you've been doing, I mean, it, it's so cool to see somebody with so many talents. Do you envision yourself in the future sticking to one thing or just continuing to to go through multiple facets? Because I think that the the gifts that you have allow you to be able to interweave through all of the things that you're doing and grow in all of them too well Stefan, my goal is this i want to be out the game by like the time i'm 60 so like 10 years from now i want to be done so i'm going to save as much money as i can i'm going to write as many things as i possibly can while my brain is still relevant i'm going to save i'm going to work i'm going to bust my ass so then i can spend time doing small stuff from 60 till the end of my life wow that's really so that's cool. what I want to do. But like, and I mean, like I just finished, I just finished punching up a movie uh, and it's like, a, it's a South African movie, which means nothing, but you know, it pays. And like, I just, I punched up this other script. It's like, I do a lot of punch up. And so it's like, if these go, that's when it means real money. So that's the exciting stuff. But until then, I, I do look forward to doing stand up uh, in um arizona at rick and tammy's place house of comedy love it 
Nice. The link is going to be in the show notes for everybody that is in Phoenix that wants to go. So for the self-help portion, we have a quote. And so we like to be able to, I like to get motivated with an inspirational quote before getting into the questions. I like to ask our guests if they have any inspirational quotes that help them get them through their days. Um, I always use the, uh, isn't it, wasn't it the Gertha G O E T H quote, be bold and mighty forces will come to your aid. Oh, I like that. I haven't, I haven't heard that one before. Well, I'm sorry. A guest hasn't said that one before. Oh, good. good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who actually said it though. We'll find out. Yes, it is. I'm so excited. It's G O E T H. I think it's Goth, Gotha, Gother. I don't know how you pronounce it. Goetha. Yeah, whatever. But it's be bold and mighty forces come to your aid. All right. What are these questions? That's awesome. All right. Well, we've got our first question. This is from our fan, Marty. It says, advice to deal with needles. I've had a phobia of needles for years now, and today it hits its worst. I was at the dentist going to get a filling done. At the time, I didn't know they were going to do needles, but as soon as I saw it, I went into a really bad panic attack. Nothing they recommended calmed me down, and they have to reschedule. I've been going to a therapist for two months ago. Two months now, but it hasn't helped. I need some advice to help me cope with needles. Really bad. Okay, so go to the store. Go to a fabric store. Get some sewing needles. Get several sewing needles. Get like maybe five, maybe six tiny sewing needles. Then the very first layer of your skin, you'll realize you can actually like puncture and not hurt yourself with the actual pin. So I'm going to need you to place the five separate pins into five separate fingers. So you'll have five pins. So you'll look like a miniature Edward scissor hands. Okay. So now that you have needles and pins, you'll still be afraid of the needles, but you'll have these pins here to protect you. So you'll be able to say to yourself when next time you're afraid of a needle, Oh bitch, don't make me summon the pins. <laughs> So it's not only getting over your fear of needles, it's also using it as a weapon. Combating defense. the needles with pins. Fight, fight needles with needles. I yeah. like that. That's really yeah. good. Okay, Absolutely. so start small with micro needles and then work your way up to the big needles. Whatever or don't. you need to do. Yeah. 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 Or like you could that. just not be afraid of needles. I, that's true. You could not be afraid of needles. Maybe you could just tell yourself, hey, needles aren't so bad and then develop, just take the fear and place it on something else. Yeah. Like uh, heights. I think heights, heights is are something one. that you could be afraid of that's realistic. Um, yeah. Remember Babu from uh, Yogi's Ark? He would follow, he was the cartoon character yes. that would follow Genie and he would go, yapple dapple. <laughs> we just get that guy to come in and yapple dapple the needle dude. And he'll be fine. Oh, I love it. Genius. Yep. That's beautiful. All right. Cool. Perfect. I think we answered that one. We're going to go to our last question here. Cool. This one's from Quora. It's from our fan, Chris. I don't like it when guests at home touch my books and start to read them without even asking me. How do I handle this? Maybe stop only having pop-up books that are scented available <laughs> for your guests to play with. Maybe start using like some different books with maybe like alternate pages, like lava, like lava pages will be good. Like no one would touch. Cause oh. if you like, if you've seen the hit show that the, the, the floor, floor is, lava. is lava. Yeah. The air is lava and books are lava would totally work. I like that. We could also do a callback from the previous advice and you could get little needles that could point out like a booby trap. So when people try and go for the books, they'll get, you pricked. needle them. Yeah. yeah. 
Needle. Or you could bury a needle like on page 58 and then just be like, <laughs> just not even tell them. And then all of a sudden they'll be reading and then they'll be like, son of a bitch. Did I just get pinned by page 58? It's this fucking... <laughs> the, the slow burn of booby traps. I really yes. like that. A small, small needle. That doesn't that sound like the name of every alternate possibility to Christopher Reeve movies? <laughs> the slow burn of booby traps. <laughs> Starring Christopher Reeve with special guest Christopher Reeve. And needles. <laughs> Extra so special fun. guest needles. Yeah. Be so oh, fun. That would be amazing. I like that. We'll call Christopher Reeve. Well, he's dead, isn't he? Yeah. He'll probably answer. Maybe. Yeah, maybe he will from the grave. I like that. Um, Any other defense mechanisms for the books? Maybe take out all your books, replace them with. Yeah, or get it like a Kindle. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, you have books. We get it. You know how to read. So does a Kindle and doesn't take a ton of spaces. Space. I think you're right. Books are like the makeup of the book of the intellectual. It's like showing how smart your brain is, how beautiful your brain is. Yeah. But in addition to that, it's like you can you can either know something or you can have a piece of literature collecting dust at your house, proving that you could know something if you brought them over to show them Mm. or you could just fucking know it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Books are proof that you're dumb because you need the books to be able to understand things. So you should already know it, really. That's 100%. Beautiful. All right. So get a a Nook or a Kindle. I think Kindle. Get a Nook or a Kindle. It'll it'll save your life. And then password protect it so nobody can be like, oh, what you got here? You got that new Tom Papa book? Nope. Yep. Nope. Not going to do it. Nope. Sorry. All right. There you go. Well, that's excellent. Well, those are all the questions. Um, thank you, Stephen. Yeah, thank you, Jay Chris. What have you got going on? Where can people find you? What would you like to plug? Well, you're the digital uh, marketing guy. Shouldn't you like figure out where to plug it in? Oh. I'm expecting your brilliance to make this like the the, the highest listened to uh, podcast I've ever been on. This is going to be like the runaway train. Oh, oh, it will be. It will be. I've got links to your podcast, your socials, your website. Oh, great. And the show in Phoenix. So awesome. Well, Jay, Chris, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Devin. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you, buddy.